Welcome to our podcast, and today on Carefully Examining the Text, we want to look at Psalm 25. As you are turning to Psalm 25 in your Bible, it is an incomplete acrostic. Acrostics are poems that use the letters of the Hebrew alphabet and began each letter, or each verse, excuse me, with the succeeding letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, I say it is incomplete because there are a couple of letters which are missing, but this is an acrostic. What was the reason for acrostics? Some think that they may have served as aids to memory. What we want to do today as we examine Psalm 25 is to read through the text slowly and make a couple of points on the text as we go, and then to summarize some things that Psalm 25 teaches us about the nature of God. In Psalm 25, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. What does it mean to lift up our soul to God? I think it's explained by the next line. In you do I trust. To lift up our soul to God in this context is to put our trust in God. Notice the contrast with Psalm 24, verse 4. Psalm 24, verse 4 talked about one who had not lifted up his soul to falsehood. In contrast to lifting up our soul to falsehood, we lift up our soul to the Lord. Now back to Psalm 25. In Psalm 25, 2 and 3, notice the stress on being ashamed. In verse 2, O my God, in you I trust, do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none of those who wait for you will be ashamed. Those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. So some form of the word ashamed is used three times. He believes that none who wait for the Lord will be ashamed in verse 3, but that those who deal treacherously and live in sin will be ashamed at the end of verse 3. Therefore, he is begging God in verse 2, do not let me be ashamed. In verse 4, make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Now this idea of waiting for God is going to be key in this psalm. It's in verse 3, it's in verse 5, and in verse 21. And notice how waiting for the Lord is his perpetual posture in this verse. I wait for the Lord all day long. He is continually waiting on God. In verses 6 and 7, remember is the key stress. Remember, O Lord, 
your compassion and your loving kindness, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and or my transgressions. According to your loving kindness, remember me for your goodness sake, O God. So he asked God to remember him according to compassion and according to loving kindness. He asked God to remember him according to his loving kindness in verse 7. And then in, in, in addition to this, in verse 6, or verse 7, he says, Remember not the sins of my youth. For God to remember him in compassion, for God to remember him in loving kindness, is for God not to remember his sins. And he begs God to forgive for your goodness' sake, O Lord, because you are a good God. And he affirms this at the beginning of verse 8. In verse 8, good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in justice and teaches the humble his way. And by the way, that word humble will be used later in the psalm and translated afflicted. We'll say that when we get there. In verse 10, all the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquities, for, for my iniquity, for it is great. This psalm says, for your name's sake, O Lord, forgive us. Remember in Psalm 23, verse 3, he guides us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Because of God's goodness, he leads us in the right path. And because of God's goodness, in Psalm 25 and verse 11, he forgives our sin. For your sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity. But God leads the humble and teaches the humble in the right way. His paths are loving kindness and truth. God's loving kindness has been stressed in verse 6, in verse 7, and again in verse 10. The question is asked in verse 12, who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he will choose. God is often pictured in this psalm as a teacher. In verse 13, his soul will abide in prosperity and his descendants will inherit the land. It's difficult sometimes to use the word prosperity in the context of biblical promises lest we interpret that solely in terms of material prosperity. But the word that's translated prosperity in verse 13 in the New American Standard Bible is the same word that was translated goodness in verse 7 and good in verse 8. In both of those passages, the reference was to the Lord because of His goodness sake. 
he forgives, and he is good and upright. If the Lord is stressed in context as being good, by telling us our soul will abide in good, is this stressing that the greatest good of all is God himself. As Psalm 73, verse 25 and 26 will affirm, He is our greatest good. When you define good, remember God is at the heart of that definition. Verse 14 said, The secret of the Lord is for those who fear Him, and He will make them know. He'll make them know His covenant. Verse 15, my eyes are continually toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Now this word afflicted was the same word translated humble twice in verse 8, in the new, or verse 9 in the New American Standard Bible. And now it is translated afflicted. The word lonely in verse 16 was translated only back in chapter 22 and verse 20. So I am lonely. I am afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Look upon my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sin. He begs again in verse 18. Verse 19, Look upon my enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with violent hatred. Guard my soul and deliver me. Do not let me be ashamed, for I take refuge in you. The theme of being ashamed, which was stressed three times in verses 2 and 3, is once again Stressed in verse 20, do not let me be ashamed, for I take refuge in you. Let my integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Remember in verse 5, he waited for the Lord all day. In verse 22, redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. So we attempted to read through the text, adding a few comments as we went. I want to summarize this psalm by stressing first a few lessons that it teaches us about God. Do you notice that in this psalm there were three pleas for forgiveness? In verses 6 and 7, as he begs God, do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. And he begs God to do this for your goodness sake, because you are good, because you are a great God. In verse 11, for your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. We talked about God leads us in the right way for His name's sake. 
in Psalm 23, in verse 3, in Psalm 31, in verse 3. And God forgives us for his name's sake here in Psalm 25, 11, and also in Psalm 79, verse 9. We see the same idea. God forgives us not because we are so good, but because he is so good And God's forgiveness is not a testimony to our name, but it is a testimony to His name. It tells us what a gracious and merciful and forgiving God that He is. You notice, too, that verses 6 and 7, verses 10 and 11, stress words like loving kindness and truth and covenant, words that are front and center in Exodus 34 when God reveals himself as the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, full of loving kindness, abounding in loving kindness and truth. All of those terms used of God as God demonstrates His forgiveness in Exodus 34 after the people's sin of the golden calf, they're appealed to here in Psalm 25. In Psalm 25, verse 18, Look upon my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sin. The word forgive in verse 18 is the same root word that was used in verse 1 when David said, I lift up my soul to the Lord. He lifts up his soul, his life, himself to the Lord, and God forgives or lifts up his sin. When we lift up our hearts to him, he lifts our sins and carries them away. God's forgiveness, God's mercy, God's compassion is stressed. The word compassion in verse 6 is the word from which we get the Hebrew word womb. And the idea is just as a mother has compassion upon the child of her womb, so God has compassion upon his people. God is a God of forgiveness. He's a God abounding in loving kindness and truth. All of that stressed in Psalm 25. But another truth that's stressed about God in Psalm 25 is God is a God who teaches us, who instructs us in the right way. Did you notice how frequently there are references made to God teaching us and God guiding us? In verses 4 and 5, make known your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth. Teach me all of these terms used. In verse 8, the Bible says he instructs sinners in the way. God is a God who wants to teach sinners the right way. By the way, what does the term sin mean? You've probably heard that it means to miss the mark, and that's true. 
A good passage to illustrate that is Judges 20 and verse 16, when the Bible says there were 700 crack warriors from the tribe of Benjamin who could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. The word miss in Judges 20 verse 16 is our word for sin. But what's interesting about this in verse 8, if sinners are those who miss the mark and miss the way, the Bible tells us that God is one who instructs these sinners who get lost and derailed easily. He instructs them in the way. The idea of God's ways, God's paths are mentioned often, I believe some seven times in this particular psalm. God teaches us. He instructs us in the right way. In verse 9, He leads the humble and He teaches the humble. In verses 12 through 14, the Bible emphasizes this when it says He will instruct him in the way He chooses. He will instruct him in the way. God is our teacher. God is a forgiving God. God is our teacher. His words are a lamp to our feet and a light to our way. Psalm 119, verse 105. So first, God is a God of forgiveness. Second, God is a God who teaches and instructs us in the right way. And a third truth about God that we want to emphasize from Psalm 25 is that God is a God who is worthy of our trust. We can lift up our soul to Him and put our trust in Him. God is a God who is worthy of our trust. In verse 15, my eyes are continually toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Often, the wicked is said to lay a net to try to capture the righteous in the book of Psalms. You see that in Psalm 9, verse 15, in Psalm 57, in verse 6, the wicked lays the net to capture the righteous. But the Bible tells us that our God is one who can pluck our feet out of the net. Even if we're caught in the enemy's traps, God can pick us out of there. In verse 20, I take refuge in you. The psalmist has many enemies in verse 2 and in verse 19. He has suffered affliction and troubles and distresses. All of these words are in verses 16 through 18. He is, a one, he is one who has committed many sins, as we have already stressed. And yet in all these circumstances, God can be trusted. God can be relied upon. God is a God who is worthy of our trust. So this psalm teaches us that God is a God of forgiveness. God is a God who teaches us the right way. And God is a God who is worthy of our trust. Now, how does Jesus fulfill the words of Psalm 25? 
the writer talked about his enemies being many in verse 19 and being violent. And certainly that was the case of Jesus. His enemies were many. His enemies were violent. And yet, he continued to teach the humble or the afflicted, as Psalm 25 verse 9 states. He tried to teach sinners in the way. Remember how he prayed in Matthew 11 in verses 25 through 27? I thank you, God, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. He was a teacher, an instructor of the humble, of the afflicted. So his enemies were many. He continued to teach. And Jesus on the cross was lonely, troubled, and full of distresses. All that the psalmist experienced, Jesus experienced, and more. Jesus was lonely, afflicted, and full of distress. And yet, when he was upon that cross, just as the words remember and remember not are mentioned three times in verses 25, in Psalm 25, verses 6 and 7, so Jesus was asked by the thief, Remember me. And Jesus said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Luke 23. Verses 42 and 43. And though Jesus experienced the shame of the cross, he was finally not ashamed. For God did not let him be put to shame, but raised him from the dead the third day, triumphant over the forces of evil and the devil. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of this psalm. We beg you to read the psalm, reflect upon it, and may the Lord continue to bless you.